This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. Did you get a good night's sleep last night? If not, perhaps you're feeling a little vague today because a good night's sleep is key in feeling fresh and staying healthy. But recent statistics say that 87% of Brits have nights where they struggle to get to sleep and the average adult isn't getting the recommended eight hours a night, which is resulting in some quite serious consequences. Here to discuss this and offer some advice on getting a good night's sleep is sleep expert Sammy Margo. Firstly, what are the benefits of a good night's sleep? So getting a good night's sleep is critical to our general health and well-being. Not only does it make you feel better, look better, it improves your performance at work and at home, it lifts your moods, it has an impact on your weight, it has an impact on your memory, it has an impact on your skin, it has an impact on the whole of your life. So getting a good night's sleep is critical. Now, some people just equate not sleeping with insomnia, but quite often insomnia, is it more getting to sleep rather than getting a well-rested, deep REM sleep? Well, I think what's interesting now is that there's two parts to this insomnia. And insomnia is quite not a nice word because many of us aren't insomniacs, but Mm. we're just not sleeping that well. That's right. Two thirds of us are not sleeping that well. So some people have difficulty in getting off to sleep and some people get off to sleep absolutely fine but then they wake in the night and they're unable to then get back to sleep so there are two parts to it but I think we have to be very clear that many of us that are going through stressful or difficult times in our lives may have a short period of poor sleep or poor quality sleep but we're not necessarily described as insomniacs it's just not having a great night's sleep. So why do you think it is that the majority of us are struggling with our sleep? Well part of it is because we're leading busy stressful 24-7 lives we have not built into our lives a bedtime routine. Basically, we're more like dimmer switches as opposed to on-off switches. So we're almost behaving like on-off switches. We go, 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 go to bed, stop, and expect to go off to sleep. But we're not designed to do that. We need to gradually dim the lights, turn them down, gradually wind ourselves down so that we can get into a good night's sleep. What is this research saying about the best ways to get a good night's sleep? I believe a list of the top 50 ways has been compiled. So what is interesting, the top three are literally, quite surprisingly, all about the bedroom. So making sure that it's dark, making sure that your bed is freshly made and making sure that you've got nice bedding. So decent pillows, a nice mattress topper. Think about chucking away your old pillows. Think about freshening things up and just think about having a nicer bedroom. And those three things really, they, they seem to appear at the top of the list, which is quite, well, it might be obvious to some of you, but it's clearly something that we're not all doing because we're struggling to get a good night's sleep. Yes, I was very intrigued to see that at number one of the top 50 things most likely to send you to sleep is a dark room. But here at Insight Radio, we aim at a blind and partially sighted audience and some blind people don't have the benefits of light receptors in their eye regulating their sleep cycles, their circadian rhythms, and that can result in a quite upset sleep pattern. Can you expand on this or offer some advice to them? I can understand this because with sighted people, they tend to use light as a cue for sleep. So we do encourage, or even some of your listeners might be partially sighted, that early morning daylight exposure is important to help set your body clock that it will know that in 16 to 18 hours' time you're going to be going to sleep but for those of you that don't and and even for those that are partially sighted what we do know is even when you close your eyes 20% of light still gets through even when you close your eyes but for those of you that have no sight whatsoever you need to use other cues so you need to use things like a nice 
warm bath or you need to use things like a bedtime story use audio so sometimes listening to a voice a bit like when we were kids we used to listen to our parents read us a bedtime story to help you get a good night's sleep there's many many foods as well that can help optimize the release of your sleepy hormone melatonin like milk like marmite type substances turkey oats almonds, those sorts of things. Banana is practically a sleeping pill. In a pill, it's got magnesium, potassium and serotonin in it. They can also help you get a good night's sleep. But even using physical exercise during the day can help impact on your sleep. But one thing that I would say that could be really important is just to actually set time aside for a bedtime routine to unwind. As I said, we're more like dimmer switches than on-off switches. So if you haven't got the cues for light, you need to use other cues that you'll associate with getting a good night's sleep. Some of the other things on this list that surprised me to help you get a good night's sleep were actually sounds and noises. And that struck me as a little contradictory that a noise, which I would perhaps find distracting, will actually help relax you. Well, it does depend on the decibel, but many people are turning to audiobooks and listening to audiobooks. And this research ranks the sound of TV show in the background at number 10 and the sound of rain at number 11. So there's many things that are very audio. So it is quite basic that listening to a background noise, I wouldn't say loud noises, but we're talking about something like a Stephen Fry audiobook where you've got a a voice, a honey voice that's, that's very calming and soothing. Maybe listening to a subject that isn't overly interesting so you're not overly captivated that may actually bore you a little bit so you may be able to go to sleep. So audio is used quite a lot, even whale noises or a cat purring or even just having the question time, like the noise in the background bumbling along. So it is interesting, I find, that people that come from the country like to sleep in absolute silence, whereas people that live in the city like a bit of background noise. So a lot depends, and, and people that live in the country can habituate to a bit of background noise and vice versa. So it does depend on where you come from and what you're used to, but quite often a bit of background noise can actually help get you off to sleep. <laughs> but of course, there's no talking books on Insight Radio that would send you to sleep. I'm absolutely religious fan of audiobooks. I think they're probably one of the best things that have been invented and I would really oh. strongly advocate and encourage the use of audiobooks to get you off to sleep at night. But I think for sleep, you need to choose a slightly more soothing honey voice like deeper and a subject that isn't like excitable and not such an exciting subject to go to sleep. Whereas I know during what you the mean. day, you may choose like your voice, your Aussie, upbeat, buzzy voice isn't, I you haven't really got a sleepy voice. I don't think your listeners are going to go to sleep with your <laughs> voice, but that's quite fortunate. But, but I think what's interesting, and your target audience is probably a bit more sensitive to this, is the, when you're listening to nighttime broadcasters, they seem to have a slightly more honey, mm. honey voice, whereas the daytime presenters have a more upbeat happening. And I think really to, to think about that and select your audiobook based on the kind of sound that's being emitted. Some of the other things that I noticed on this list that seem a little contradictory to me perhaps was watching TV. Now, I thought I'd heard somewhere along the line that staring at a screen just before you're going to bed isn't the best idea. Yeah, this is a really interesting one. And I really struggle with this because we do know as sleep experts that exposure to blue light coming from the television or coming from a smartphone actually has an impact on the release of your sleepy hormone melatonin. So it may well help doze you off, but it may not help you get the deep restorative quality sleep that you're looking at. So as a sleep expert, I would recommend audio, but I would not necessarily recommend the visual side of things. So try to switch over to something that's a little bit more 
audio driven um, and less blue light emission because any as we mentioned and as we discussed and as is relevant to your particular target audience the dark room seems to rank at number one so darkness seems to be quite critical so I agree I strongly agree and I was really surprised that many of us fall asleep on the sofa watching a TV program wake up at 10 o'clock then go up to sleep and can't get off to sleep. So that says a lot anyway, that it's not really helping the situation. It might help you nod off, but it's not really good for quality sleep. Sammy Margot, thank you so much for giving us some advice on getting a good night's sleep. I'll certainly be trying some of them and hopefully we'll all be sleeping better. Thanks for speaking with me today on Insight Radio. No problem. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk